When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. They have fallen into the Pat Riley trap of disease of me. You paid Daniel Jones, but now you're not going to pay Saquon. They won nine freaking games and beat a shitty Minnesota team and got their ass kicked. This is the tip of the iceberg that if Dayball's got to nip this in the bud, because if he does it, it's just going to magnify. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael Lombardi sending a last-second text message, getting information. Draft season is here, buddy. Everyone's starting to echo what we've been talking about now, huh? You know, yeah, it's, that works? it's kind of funny how that all works out, but it's all good. You know, I think to me, it's not like, uh, you know, it, it gives us credibility mm-hmm. uh, in the world of, I'm not trying to be the first guy to report something. I'm just trying to be credible when I when I know something. And I, I love how Twitter reacts. That you don't know a goddamn thing. It's always good. Those guys do. They're geniuses <laughs> with erasers. It's it's incredible. But there's so much going on. You know, there is so much going on. And I think when we started out, we talked about Houston. And I wrote this column for Vison about look. I'm not saying they're not going to draft a quarterback, Femi, mm-hmm. but I do believe that they will explore all their options. I think we tend to be so focused on today, mock drafts. They need this, pick this player. I don't dispute that the Texans need a quarterback. But the problem you get into is if you've graded Kenny Pickett a grade last year and you grade C.J. Stroud a grade similar to Kenny Pickett and you pick and you pick Stroud at two, what is that? What are you doing? You're reaching. You're reaching, right. It shows you you're reaching. Or what people don't do enough of is go back and study the other grades you had on players. Now, you say, well, you could be wrong on Kenny Pickett's grade. Well, you watched him play pro football. I don't think you were wrong on Kenny Pickett's grade. Did the Steelers pick him too early? Probably they did. But it was 20 overall. So it's not, you know, they didn't pick him two. You you turn the card in at two, you got to make sure that you're getting a top five player. If not... You're just reaching. And I think that's the conversation that you got to kind of have that that's not discussed 
outside of draft rooms that's really prevalent within the draft room? The scenario that's being kind of kicked around here is that assuming Bryce Young goes number one to the Carolina Panthers, Houston potentially could be interested in Will Anderson, maybe Tyree Wilson, one of those edge rusher guys. Do you think that's what the direction that they would go? Or maybe they even move out of the pick if somebody I think really they would move Shred. out. I think if they could move out of the pick, they might. Mm-hmm. I think that's certainly an option. I, I, as I reported, there is a lot of dynamics going on in Houston. I think D'Amico Ryans has a lot more say in the draft than probably other coaches, David Culley or Lovey Smith. I think he's kind of got his blueprint in there. It's different than Nick's blueprint because remember, Nick came from Nick has hired two coaches as Nick Cesario. He's hired two coaches that really don't, he's hired three coaches that don't fit his profile of what he has been accustomed to, right? So when you're in New England, you know, edge rushers are, are not, they're in demand. Chandler Jones, they drafted, but they have to play within the framework. Whereas I think if you look at what he did in San Francisco, he knows the value of a defensive line. And if you have a chance to get a, a Wilson from Texas Tech, now he's going to have to have his foot checked out because he had a, a, a broken bone in his foot. To me, 6'6", 275, highly athletic. His tape's really good. You know, would you take him? Will Anderson is more has more popularity than reality. You know, Will and oh, he's great. Will Anderson's great. Except when you ask him about his tape and some of the inconsistencies, there, oh yeah, I see that. Everybody sees it, but nobody says it, right? Everybody sees it, but they don't say it. Like, where did you feel him in a game? So I do think that. And look, I'm not saying they won't take Stroud. I don't know. I think Stroud's an interesting player because I think this week's going to determine a lot. Stroud's not. I don't want this to be read wrong. Stroud's kind of has a personality that you're going to have to really ingratiate yourself to. He's going to have to trust you. There's going to be a little things that have to work out with Stroud before you could take him. You've been saying that now for a little bit. And the way I kind of interpret that is that maybe he has a healthy bit of skepticism initially when he meets somebody. I think he's hard to coach. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean mm-hmm. that in a bad way. I think he's hard. There's some guys that are hard to coach. It's like, you know, the, the horse horses like i've been reading this incredible book about uh the greatest uh, gambling story ever told about these about uh this uh these two guys who spend all this money on 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 the first female to run in the kentucky derby and and they go to mexico and they put all this money on and they're worried about if the if the horse wins are they going to get their money out well th- this female horse winning colors she was volatile like she was really volatile. She bite other horses. Mm-hmm. She had a personality that, unless and the trainer who the, the 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 groomsman or whoever the guy was that's always with her was with her since she was at birth. Okay, now I'm not comparing C.J. Stroud to a horse. I'm talking yeah. about temperament here. Stroud okay? is not pie oh my. I'm not, I'm talking. About, thank you, very good. I got so much for you on that. Okay, I went to the Mob Museum, and if I, I'm going to Florida this week, and I'll be back uh-huh. Saturday. Go to Boca. No. no, there you go. You better go to the Mob Museum within ten days. I promise. That's your mandate. Anyway, so it's the greatest thing in Vegas. Forget Celine Dion. Forget. Forget, <laughs> forget, forget all that. It is the greatest thing in Vegas. I can promise you. If you're listening to this podcast today and you love mob mobsters, go to the Mob Museum. It is the greatest, greatest time. You're. I, I spent three hours. I could have spent another ten. I'm going back. I'm going back before I leave. Anyway, let's go back to winning colors. Yeah. So her temperament was was challenging, but the one the one guy that was with her all the time kind of she endeared himself to her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a little bit like 
Stroud's got to have that relationship with you so that he can cake coaching. See, we all think that that players are like we are. We'll take coaching. Well, they're not always like that. Some players don't believe coaching. Some players like that. You're just trying to mess me up. Like Markel Fultz with the 76ers, you know, like that's part of his problem was not taking coaching or maybe it was bad coaching. So I think Stroud, you're going to have to endear yourself with Stroud's going to have to trust you. And then if you get that, you can really maybe grow. But if you don't get that, it might be a little bit hard. It may be, it may, you may get kicked and it mm. becomes a problem. It doesn't make him the wrong player. It, it basically comes back to you as a leader. What's your adaptability? What's your ability to figure out one of the great strengths of Vince Lombardi when you read all the things that you read about him was his ability to understand humans and what one player needed and what one player didn't. And I think that has been lost. Being able to press all the right buttons. I want to get back to the point that you brought up with D'Amico and Ryan's having more say than previous Texans head coaches. Now, John McClain, who is very dialed into the Houston area, was a longtime writer covering back when they were the Houston Oilers, covered the Houston Texans. He's great. He, he said that Nick Casario is not going anywhere after the draft, despite speculation on the contrary. Casario, we believe that he should be safe this year here, but it almost the way you're framing it sounds like he's maybe losing a little bit of say. Well, I think that's I think it's more collaborative than ever been before. I mean, remember, Nick was in the press box his first year with David Cauley. He had the headset on. He had a headset on. So he had control over everything. And there's a lot of conversation around that maybe Nick, maybe it's more Nick that doesn't want to be there than the Texans don't want it to be there. Mm. You know, that doesn't necessarily always mean that, you know, maybe it's just not the, maybe Nick feels like it's not the right fit, or maybe Nick feels like, and I haven't talked to Nick, so I, I, this is all just speculation on the street. Maybe Nick feels like it's, it's not comfortable for him in that environment. Maybe he just doesn't even like the job of being this guy, of, of being completely in control. So, but I do think D'Amico's going to have a, a, a large say in what, what happens. I think there's no, no denying that. This draft would get really interesting if the Texans do indeed pass on the quarterback. I know we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks. We'll talk more about them in depth. I've been reading up on the the, the manual, the, the the grading system there. We're going to start to put some grades on these QBs yeah. here. We're going to see who the, the 7-0s do, do, are and who you, you the 6-5s. Do you see how yeah. it's different when you do it with the grading system that way than oh, when you do it with... I think he should go in the first yeah, round. Slap a round on him and then move on and forget about it. That's yeah, just... and then worry about then they'll go back and look at it next year. <laughs> Trubisky, first rounder. All right, let's continue on. <laughs> That's kind of how it's how it's rolled in the in, in the draft Knicks circles there. But uh, we love the draft Knicks. That's one of the reasons why we have all these jobs. Uh, let's talk about Adam Schefter and his report on his podcast. I believe it was talking about Aaron Rodgers, and he says it doesn't sound like a trade will happen before the NFL draft. We've talked about how that benefits New York. Green Bay seems like they're also content, or maybe that's just a leverage ploy right now, and they're not content, but word on the street is that they're content waiting as well, and the two sides are kind of dug in and, in fact, haven't spoken in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, look, if I'm Joe Douglas, I know I'm getting the player. Like, I know I'm getting it. Like, I have all the leverage here. So letting the draft come and go and using my picks, letting, you know, letting Thursday come, by Friday it'll heat up. I mean... You know, at some point, oh, Mr. Murphy's going to get a little nervous here. Because remember, Murphy's controlling this, right? Yep. I mean, everybody just, it's hilarious how people think he's not. Poor Goots. He's over there having to take the bullets, you know. Yes. And Murph and Russ Ball are controlling this thing behind the scenes. You know, they, they're the ones echoing, this is what we're going to do. I, I keep saying this to people all the time. Nobody understands it or seems to, to grasp 
that the Packers organization changed dramatically the day Murphy walked in there. He wants to get in the Hall of Fame. He, he has an agenda. Rodgers knows what the agenda is. Rodgers is resentful of the agenda. But once Ted Thompson got sick, once Ted Thompson had to leave, Murph splintered it. He splintered it. You know, and I use the word splinter because it's kind of what JFK did when, when after the Bay of Pigs, he splintered the CIA. And that's where Alan Dulles and John Bissell and all these guys, they got flown out. He was going to take the CIA and reduce it. And he wanted control of it. And that's what a lot of people feel like was the impetus behind he's the problem within the government. And so now you say, well, that's not possible yet yeah, that if you understand history, yeah, that is. But it happens in every other country. Why would it happen in ours? OK, so my point is he splintered this. So it, he made everybody report to him. He controls this and he's going to get nervous on Friday because the Packers, they're not going to have extra picks. They're going to wait mm-hmm. for the next pick. And here's what I'll say all the time. Every player that gets traded for a pick is a pick is a player for player. It's not a player for a pick. It's a player for player. So when I trade you a pick, you're picking a player there. Yep. Okay. So if you give me your second and I pick a somebody in the second round, I traded Aaron Rodgers for that player in the second round. Man. It it, it feels like the Green Bay's kind of botched this from a leverage standpoint. Because you know why? Because you because you got a guy who's operating behind the scenes. You know, they have to go. If Goot had the ability to make the deal, he probably would have made it. But he has to go. Goot's negotiating on two fronts. He's got to negotiate with the Jets, and then he's got to turn around and negotiate with Murph to get the okay. That's a hard fucking job. Sounds like a hard job. It's probably why we don't have a deal so far, even though it's been pending for about, what, a month now? Roger's heading to the Jets, but I'm sure we'll find out very soon. Maybe it's draft week that happens, or maybe it's the week after, or perhaps training camp. (laughs) Only time will tell. We'll talk about another team in New York. Talked a lot of gangrene. Let's talk Big Blue on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New Customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, New York, New York. That's where all the uh, the action is this NFL offseason. The New York Jets, of course, looking <sighs> to complete the trade to acquire Aaron Rodgers. But how about their uh, their roommates, the New York Giants? The Giants are in this interesting situation because reports came out yesterday that both running back Saquon Barkley and defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence are planning to skip the offseason program, which actually begins today. I mean, this no offseason. Talk about that. But Barkley is not going to sign his franchise tag and Lawrence is going to skip it because contract talks have kind of broken down. They haven't come to any sort of an agreement here. This, this, is, this is it's it's, yeah. it's starting to become a thing here. Like, well, I'm, I'm curious to get your take on if this is a big deal for the Giants. I, I think everybody focuses on Barkley won't sign this tender. Well, we all know that's bullshit, right? We all know that unless he wants to be Le'Veon Bell, he's not turning down the money, right? And we all know football players, and to quote the great George Young from the Giants organization, football players play football. So eventually they're going to play. So, But I think the bigger issue here. Femi, is this is more about Pat Riley's The Disease of Me. Mm. This is the challenge that Brian Dayball has. And he should have known it the minute he walked off the field in Philadelphia when he got his ass kicked by the Eagles, right? Yeah. He got his ass kicked by the Eagles, okay? Mm -hmm. And so he walks in there and he's got this delicate balance of we've made progress, but we just got our ass kicked. So how do I treat the offseason? How do I say we did good? And how do I say we got to do a lot better? How do I do that? And what's happened here, and this is not on Dayball, but this is just human nature. They have fallen into the Pat Riley trap of disease of me. So if you look at Riley and if you read anything on the great Pat Riley is, you know, he talks about the disease of me is basically seven tangents. It's inexperience in dealing with sudden success. It's chronic feeling of underappreciation, right? Mm -hmm. It's paranoia over being cheated out of one's rightful share, okay? It's resentment against the, comp the, comp the, the competence of the, uh, the compensation of partners, okay? Mm -hmm. It's personal effort mustered solely to outshine a teammate. 
It's a leadership vacuum resulting from the formation of cliques and rivalries. And it's feeling of frustration even when the team performs successfully. Every one of those, I could give you an example within the Giants. Okay, let's go to six. A leadership vacuum resulting in the formation of cliques and rivalries. Okay? You paid Daniel Jones, but now you're not going to pay Saquon. You're not going to give Dexter. Everybody in that locker room, everybody in that locker room knows the reason they won wasn't because of Daniel Jones. He had something to do with it, but he didn't carry the team. The players know this. You can't con the players. They know this. Mm -hmm. And so there it is, right? Chronic feeling of underappreciation. Saquon feels underappreciation. Daniel doesn't, but Saquon does. Dexter does. And so this, this is what happens. And they didn't win enough, and they're not good enough as a team to be able to kind of go through this. Like, they didn't win a championship. They won nine freaking games and beat a shitty Minnesota team and got their ass kicked. They're not good enough to have the disease of me. And to me, if I were Brian, this would be the first slide I would show the team at the first team meeting. I would say, fellas, let's just get this straight now. We got our asses kicked. This is a new year. We got to rebuild the program. And here's what we're going to try to avoid. And this isn't going to happen in the locker room. You're going to have to attack this. Because when they gave all that money to Daniel Jones, and you listen to John Mara, he was delighted to give him money to yeah. Daniel Jones. I would have been kicking and screaming. He was delighted. He loves Daniel Jones. He's entitled to his opinion on Daniel Jones. I don't see it. Now, he sees the upside. I don't. I see they got to manage him. We could both, I could be completely wrong. That being said, Dayball's got to do a better a job of managing this moving forward, or else this is just going to splinter. It, it almost feels like Mara feels validated in their selection of Daniel Jones by giving him that second contract. It's like, see, hey, we got the quarterback position right with our draft pick, despite what everybody said on draft. I mean, in fairness to John Mara, for for the whole Gettleman administration, he was taking shit for all these picks and for good reason. His team over the last five years was horrible. They were the worst team in the league record-wise. But just because they won nine games doesn't make them they're on their way. This is what happens to organizations. It's, It's called competitive stamina. You've got to have competitive stamina to reach and go further. And you've got to have people helping you in the building because everything is tied to the contracts. Because when I give you money, I'm saying you were the reason we won. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that verbally, but I'm saying it in the locker. The lock, that's the way the players view it. Actions speak loud. And this is, to me, this is the tip of the iceberg. This is the tip of the iceberg that if Dayball's got to nip this in the bud, because if he doesn't, it's just going to magnify. Now... The Giants, I think, were in a tough spot with this because of the timing of all of this. Like, both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley were set to become unrestricted free agents. I have my opinion out there on Daniel Jones. I don't think he's very good, but they obviously think he's good enough to warrant this contract. They had to get something done with one of them, or they could have tagged him, but then Barkley would then become an unrestricted free agent. So they chose to get get one of them done. They went the Daniel Jones route instead of the Barkley route there. Now they have Barkley for that $10 million number, which he's not going to sign for less than that because that's what the tag is going to give him is that $10 million per year. But here's what you could have done. You let Jones just go. If you you would have just let Jones go Mm -hmm. and tagged Barkley, not do Jones's deal before, let him go out and see the market. Now, whatever the market is, he's coming back to you with his deal. The market that then you could tell the team, we had to pay him because the market said this. Right now, the narrative is we gave him that. There was no competition. Mm-hmm. See, the players know this in the locker room. They understand the dynamics of, of, you know, if we let him out there and I get him back, that's what the market bared. 
we let them water seek to its level. Tag Barkley, try to get Barkley. Look, to, say, to Saquon, I mean, you got to be honest with Saquon. Look, Saquon, you're a great player. We won't hope to sign you a long-term deal, but you got to prove that you can stay healthy. You got to prove that you can play in on, you got to make a, an effort to be a 17 game starter. We're going to limit your, this is your role. What's going to be. It's all about honesty. It's all about transparency to the players. And when you let, if you would have let Daniel Jones go to the market, you could say, well, the, the Colts would have signed him. He would have come back to you and said, okay, here, this is what the Colts are offering me. Mm. You can't fear free agency. I learned that. I did early in my career. I was scared to death of it, and that's why you overpaid players. And that could be the situation the Giants found themselves in here with Daniel Jones. On the Dexter Lawrence side of it, because he's also in this as well, seeking another contract, I'm sure his representations, I'm sure he has seen the big money deals that a lot of these defensive tackles have been getting. Jeffrey Simmons just signed one last week. Deron Payne got one. All these defensive tackles are getting one, and Lawrence is coming off an all-pro season. He was second-team all-pro this past year, 25 years old, still very young. I don't think he's in the mood of giving any discounts, at least compared to his contemporaries. He's well, going to want that $20-plus million, maybe even $22, 23000000 million When he year. puts his hand in the dirt and he looks at number 99 next to him, he said, I'm better than that guy. 100%. You paid that guy all the money. 100%. Again, go back to the disease of me. You're, you're comparing yourself to your contemporaries. You paid this guy. You're not paying me. I'm way better than this guy. Yeah. Right? He's got a good argument, too. Oh, I, I can't argue with him. So, again, this is what happens. And, and here's the problem. We didn't win enough. We made one playoff. We had a playoff game. We're in a shitty conference. We, there's no quarterbacks. We beat a bad Minnesota team on the road. Great, right? That's great. Are we, We've gotten our doors blown off by Philadelphia at home and in a playoff game. We barely beat them with the guy who's now the quarterback coach in Denver. Right? Yeah. I mean, so like it, we, they had Gardner Minshew. We barely beat them. And we were playing Davis Webb, who's the quarterback coach. I mean, that was that. I don't even know how that game was relevant. Like that, to me, that game's just dismiss it, right? Oh, no, Jalen Hurts played in that game. Yeah, yeah. Hurts played. Yeah, yeah, he, he played, played in that game. But my point is, it was like you, the next week when it really mattered, you got your ass kicked. There were two weeks later. So I, I, I think this is about how you handle it and the messaging you send. I think it's you know I'm not second guessing because I think to me. You've got to be willing to say to players, look, this is not what we're doing. We've identified the problem, but what's the solution? What, what, what do you think? I think, a lot, I think it's all on Dayball's desk. He's going to have to address it. He can't ignore it. He's going to have to sit there and Joe Shine, and they're going to have to address it. He's got to sit there with the team and say, fellas, look, we did nothing last year. We've accomplished nothing. Like, if you guys think we've accomplished something, great. But if we start passing out money left and right here to players, but once they did it to Daniel Jones, they had to know this was coming. What do we say? Money sometimes causes problems. No, no, no doubt. You know? And nothing says I'm sorry better than money. I took a picture of Arnold Rothstein over at the Mob Museum because I love that quote. Nothing says I'm sorry better than money, Femi. Yeah. Well, Dexter Lawrence is waiting for his apology, as is Saquon Barkley, uh, coming up later on this offseason. I think it's a fascinating thing with this Giants team that is trying to take that next step and we talk about how that step is always the most difficult one in the NFL, going from good to great. It's hard. And they're in a division that's very difficult. And oh, by the way, they won one game in and, the division and, last and year. Money, and money makes it even harder. Money definitely does make it harder here. Uh, the, the Indianapolis Colts, real quick, we'll have a couple minutes left here in this segment. Want to get to it. Shane Steichen claiming that they are uh, no longer vying for Lamar Jackson and they're focused on the draft. So we're seeing, hearing more and more messaging from Indianapolis that, hey, we're in draft mode. Lamar's not really being talked about in the building here. 
Do you think that's posturing or do you no. actually believe that's true? I think it's true. I think they have their mindset on, you know, I think they're doing exactly what they did with a rookie with with a rookie quarterback that they did with a a veteran. You know, I think they're going to try to draft one. They're going to force one. I don't think there's anybody in their draft room that can honestly stand on this table and say, we got our guy. I think they've locked themselves into a trap. And, and if they take Richardson at four, thinking they've got a young Jalen Hurts, are they sure he's going to work hard? Are they sure he has the drive? Richardson, in talking to teams this week that have had him in their building this week, Richardson's a good kid. He's smart. He's not a dumb kid. He's smart. I would say he's not an alpha male. He doesn't have that Kobe Mamba, um, uh, Mamba, mentality. Mamba mentality. He doesn't have the... He doesn't have the inertia to just drive. He's been so gifted naturally, so gifted, that he doesn't have the drive to go out there and really dig deep into He doesn't know how to dig deep into himself. And he's been giving things so often in his career that he hasn't had any stumbling blocks to it. I think that's the challenge. You know, I think that because that element is going to be the most critical component to whether he's successful as a quarterback. Richardson, and I've read, I think it was an ESPN column where teams talked about how, hey, he's not necessarily a gym rat, but we believe that he can actually get there. Tell me one guy that just gets there. Tell me how that works. We'll, we'll talk about the other side of this break, but it's, you tell me a guy who all of a sudden isn't a worker that became a worker. Well, you, you tell me a guy that, that you, should, you know, get in your bag of excuses and you find me a few of those guys. I don't know him. I would promise you, and you want to talk about this when uh -huh. we go on the break, I will promise you his psychological testing indicates that's not who he is. Well, he did do well on the S2 cognition test, and we're going to talk about that test on the other side because another quarterback aced it, and it's probably the one that you're thinking here on the GM show. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, Michael, let's talk a little S2 cognition test. Okay. For those of you who might not know, it's a little bit different than what we typically see during the draft process because everybody is familiar with the Wonderlick test and you can even try the Wonderlick test online and all that stuff and see how you would measure up to uh, all sorts of draft prospects from years past. But I think this S2 cognition test is really interesting. And what it is, it, it, the way it's described, I'm reading the article that was profiled on it, it's almost like a 40-yard dash for the brain. It's, it's trying to gauge just, it's not a, a, an intelligence test, but it's more so like a reactionary test about how you see things and can you see things very quickly? Because famously Brock Purdy last year knocked it out of the park and the person who created the S2 cognition test said that, hey, the game will never be too fast for Brock Purdy. He might not succeed, but the game is not, it's not going to be because the game is too fast for him. And what the test actually is, and if I'm going to pull it up right now, it says that the exam lasts 40 to 45 minutes performed on a specially designed gaming laptop and response pad that re can record reactions in two milliseconds. And to put that in perspective, an eye blink lasts 100 to 150 milliseconds. So it's pretty much gauging 
how quickly do you react to stuff? Yeah. And we're starting to see the quarterbacks and rumors have been put out there about which quarterbacks have succeeded and which ones might not have passed it or, or done very well. But Bryce Young at the top of the list shouldn't surprise anyone. No, I mean, look, you see it on the tape, right? He's quick-minded. He's quick-footed. He knows where to go with the ball. He's got eyes behind the back of his head. It's one of the reasons why if you want to draft him, you believe that uh, – He's not going to get hurt because he can. He has that ability to escape it. He has that ability to move an inch forward to avoid it. Like all the conversation about Purdy, and I think Purdy, the game wasn't too big. But one of the things Purdy could have done to avoid an injury, if he would have moved, if he would have worked the pocket when he got hit, mm-hmm. he would have worked the pocket. And when we say work the pocket, that means climb the ladder in the pocket. You're working north and you're working up into the pocket. He might have avoided that contact. So. Look, I think these are all important testing. I, I I think they are. We all teams do it. You want to test, and and we did the what we call the tap. Now it's not again. This is not black and white. This is all gray. Mm-hmm. So it just goes into the pile of okay. Here's where you are, and you want to be able to tech, test work habits and competitiveness. What I think people really misconstrue a lot is if you have a kid who's competitive, right? You know, if you have a kid who's competitive who doesn't work hard, you can change that. If you have a kid who works hard who's not competitive, you can't change that. Mm. Okay? So it's the great Bob Nightline. You know, Bob Nightline talks about who's great competitors. Great competitors are people that when they play and they watch the rewind of what they played, they think they're going to win the game. You know, like, even though they lost, right? When they they rewatch it again, they think they're still going to win. They're going to win. Because that's how competitive they are. And... I think that's the question on Anthony Richardson. Is he competitive that doesn't really have innate work habits or does he not have innate work habits who's moderately competitive? And that's the test you're going to have to figure out. That's the one. Like Bryce Young to me would be 5 in competitives on a scale of 1 to 5. He'd be and he's 5 in work habits. That's you what you want. want. The, that you want him in your building. Yeah, that's what you want. That's who you want in your building. Whereas some other guys are Jamarcus Russell, I can remember, you know, when I was I was echoed out of the room uh, and, you know, I wasn't involved in that draft, but I was still employed by the Raiders. And so Lane Kiffin did not want to draft. He did not want to draft Jamarcus Russell. He wanted to draft Calvin Johnson. He saw all the flaws in Jamarcus Russell, not his talent, his work habits. Mm-hmm. So he would talk to me. Uh, you know, privately and said, like, how do I change this? And I'm like, well, look, you know, the tap on Jamarcus is a disaster. Mm. The tap was a psychological profiling testing that we did. It, we started in Cleveland with it. We carried it over. Bill does it in New England. And we uh, I did it in Cleveland. We all we do it. It's a psychological profiling test that Bob Troutwine, tremendous guy. He does, Now, he's not right all the time. And you're, mm-hmm. it's not the gospel, but it's an indication of a couple things. And And Jamarcus was a disaster. And so I said, this is this verifies what you're saying. You're going to have to support this, support yourself. But Al was never of the mind. Now never believed psychological testing. He never thought it was because that wasn't his world. You know, he didn't see it that way. Today, we're more apt to handle it. And, you know, I could see why Bryce Young is so high. It's interesting what C.J. Stroud would be. I don't see C.J. Stroud as being great on that test. Mm. Well, Anthony Richardson, who we're talking about in the last segment, apparently knocked it out of the park is what reports are saying. Sources are saying that. And for context, Mahomes did really well on this test. Josh Allen did really well. Brock Purdy did really well. My guy Justin Fields did really well on this test. Now, this test, it's been going on for about seven years, at least from what I've read. 
it's not really indicative of, okay, if you do well on the test, you will be a really good quarterback. But I think more so is that if you don't do really well on this test, nobody who that has done poorly on this S2 cognition test has become a good quarterback. It's kind of my read so on it. So where's Levis? We haven't seen it. I mean, I, I don't think it's, I, I don't think, I don't think Will's a fast processor. I just really don't. I don't think he would do good on that test. I, I don't think Stroud would be elite on the test. I'm not saying he's going to be poor on the test. I would suspect Hidden, Hayden, Hidden Hooker, is that how they say it? Hendon Hooker. Hendon. Hendon Hooker would be good on the test. So Albert Breer from the MMQB tweeted, he said how we've referenced Bryce Young's S2 score. He said, quote, I'm told Kentucky quarterback Will Levis wasn't far off from Young on the S2 test with a score of 93. Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Josh Allen aced the S2 tests coming out. So apparently Levis did really well on the S2 test. And, you know, but when you watch his tape, you can't see it. Mm. I mean, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get this information and see it on the tape. Like, you, you know, there's times where you're watching him and you're like, now that what you know, like, can't you get over? We got to get over here. It's one of the things on Hooker, you know, you, you worry, is it going to all come? Because in that offense, it's so one side of the field. Mm -hmm. Is he going to be able to work it and process? It? And he's very accurate with the football. You know, he's very accurate with the ball. But I think that that to me, you got to see it on the field. Like I don't see Justin Fields being good in that because even if you like Fields, he's not a quick processor on the field. He never was in college. And like we said, just because you do well on it doesn't right. mean you're going to be great. Just because you run but, a fast if, forty doesn't mean you're going to do good. But if either. you do poorly, it's not a great sign. That's not a good it's sign. Not, and and for for reference, Bryce Young, according to Albert Breer, scored a ninety-eight, which is higher than Burrow, Fields, Allen, who all scored in the high nineties. Yeah, as there well. you go. So, I mean, it makes sense to me. I mean, I see it. Yeah. I think the, the important thing is, like, if it matches what you see on the field. Because if it doesn't match, then you have to go back to the film and say, okay, what are we missing? Or what didn't we see the first And that's kind of what you're always trying to do in college scouting is you're trying to find out things about the player if you could have some clues. To me, mm -hmm. that's where analytics plays a huge role is when you study what great players do and then you go back and see, does this guy have those traits? You know, like, you know, I, this guy is great, you know, offensive lineman. Are they, what's the trait that matters most? People think the 40 time doesn't, it does. Mm. Because when you're an offensive lineman, the reason we test 40 time for offensive lineman is how fast can you get your second step on the ground? Everybody wants to watch the 49er. Oh, he's got quick feet. No, it's when he's run blocking, when he gets his first, it was his second step, get on the ground quick. And you have to have quick feet to do that. You have to run fast to do that. Now, sometimes guys run bad 40s because they're out of shape. Yep. 40, the 40 is a conditioning test. Uh, really, it is. Nobody realizes it. Yep. But you got to be in shape to run a good 40. I think that's, I'm so glad you said that because everybody makes fun of it. Like, oh, when's the last time you saw a big person run 40 yards? It's like, that's, you, you, you're not seeing, you're looking at the surface, but underneath the surface is what they're actually testing is, yep. are you in shape? Do you work hard? The same thing with the bench press. It's not like nobody's ever bench pressing 225 in an NFL game, but it's, do you work hard in the weight room? Right. I mean, and are you, you talk about you and you play soft and you have 12 benches. Now we know why you play soft. Yeah, because maybe you're not the hardest worker in the weight room. Uh, speaking of those offensive linemen, we do have the odds over at DraftKings of which linemen will be drafted first. And right now the favorite is Paris Johnson, the Ohio State offensive tackle, minus 115. Peter Skaronsky, the Northwestern kid, plus 105. Darnell Wright and Broderick Jones at 7-1. to one. And Then Anton Harrison at 40 to 1. But what do you make of this O line group in general? And who do you think is actually going to be the first one off the board? I would take a shot at Broderick Jones. I think he's got mm. a chance to be the first one. I think Paris Johnson it plays a little softer. Uh, 
They're both really athletic. I think Anton Harrison is a really good player. He's a sleeper at 40 to 1. He's way too low. He's a really good player. He's going to go in the mid. He should go in the mid-teens. He's going to go somewhere in there. He's too good of a player. Darnell Wright is a good player. Uh, I think Darnell Wright has had some really tough challenges in his in growing up that has that has affected him, not in a negative way, it's socially. He's he's very he's a loner, kind of keeps to himself. Doesn't make him a bad person, mm-hmm. but he's not a typical offensive yeah. lineman type of guy. Kind of aloof, almost. Pretty much likes to play yeah. video games. Again, nothing yeah. wrong with it. I'm just saying this. We is, love video games here. This is the you know, and so that that's but he's talented, and he you know there's moments where he doesn't play as talented as he is. A five star kid coming out of high school. I mean, this is a really you know, Skronsky to me is a guard. Arm length is that the problem? I think it's his arm length, you know. And so, you, 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 could you play him a tackle? Probably. So the question is, which one is the best one? I mean, all these guys to me are better than Jonah Williams, who went in the first round. You know, are, are any of these guys Jonathan Ogden? No, or else they would be going early. Any of these guys, Anthony Munoz? No. I think the target here is they're going to go somewhere between, let's say, nine and seventeen. Okay. So would you say that? The old linemen are one of the it's the strong one of the stronger groups in this draft class. Because I think a lot of people we focus so much on the quarterbacks and then the edge rushers that it's like, all right, what are the other strengths of this draft? It doesn't seem like there's a lot of blue chip talents, but there could be some guys who are I, I, pretty good that I go think a little the later. strength of this draft is the tight ends and the and these tackles. Because mm-hmm. I think Harrison Jones, Paris, and Wright can all be starting tackles in the league. Now, will they be elite starting tackles? I think you have to kind of work your way through that. Are they blue chip starting tackles? No, but they can be starting tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got to decide, is the value good enough to pick them at one if they're your left tackle? Or would I be better off trying to take a kid like the BYU kid in a later round that I think I could develop into one? See, that's the value thing you've got. That's why you have a grading system. Yeah. Uh, I think tight end is really deep in this draft. Yeah, and we've heard those tight end names be mentioned And you a can lot. see Kincaid is now the favorite to be the first tight end pick. As I mentioned, I mean, Michael Meyer on tape is really, his TV tape was fun to watch. Junior year is way better than his senior year when you go back and study him. But to me, it's it's a little bit, he's good in a lot of areas. He's not great in any one. He's not a great blocker, which I thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. And he's not really a great receiver on tape. I don't know if he gained weight his senior year I don't, or his junior year. I don't know what it was, but the separation isn't there. You know, yeah, he uh, ran kind of slow at the combine. He did. You know, he did. He didn't really run well. I mean, Darnell Washington actually is a more vibrant guy in the passing game than Mayer. Dalton Kincaid also cleared his medical stuff. I think there was a medical issue there for a little bit. I want to be a foot or an ankle, I want to say, but sounds like that's all good to go. The Utah tight end, he's now the odds-on favorite. Yeah, and look, he's favorite over one. Meyer. I mean, you yeah. know, you get that. I would say uh, the, the receiver from, I think the best receiver in this draft is uh, the Smith, how do you say his last name? Uh, Smith and Jigba. And Jigba. But, I mean, the guy didn't play last year and didn't want to play. I mean, I think he could have played, and yeah, I think he chose to, not to. He's the Zion Williamson hamstring. But Zion is, <laughs> Zion. Zion is, I mean, did you see Zion? I we saw him saw, last night in street clothes. He was, I mean, look how out of shape he looked. In, like, he didn't work out. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it, he was wearing like a baggy sweatshirt, maybe, you know? Why would he wear baggy? <laughs> I wear baggy clothes, because I'm fat. <laughs> he said baggy clothes and, and black. That's what I, yeah, that's the, that's the motive. That's what you got to do. 
you know what? As the as a not so slim guy myself, uh, I can see where you would jump to that conclusion. But uh, I'm gonna give Zion a little bit of a pass. There you there go. You got your that, bag. You know, I, got, I, got, I got my bag of excuses for you, Zion. You got to get over to the mob museum. I, I, I do you need. Got to get that. over there now. I I'm telling everybody that. to listen well, I, to this podcast. I don't podcast. have time. I'm, I'm still trying to power through the Sopranos, man. Yeah, well, keep yeah. going. I'm, I'm powering but, through. But, you know, you know, get over there. I'm telling everybody. Like, if you love mob movies like I do, and if you love the history of the mob, and you love the characters in the mob. And I mean, they have literally, they have the wall of where the Valentine's Day massacre, mm. the actual brick wall that they got lined up against. Wow. With the, with the ballistics testing in it. I mean, they have so much stuff in there. It's really just, it's, it's a walk through a history that is incredible. And it, it's got the old time Vegas stuff in there. Mm -hmm. It's got the history of Vegas. It's got, you know, Casino, the movie, yep. and they've really got pop movie. culture. And then they've got a speakeasy down in the basement where you can go and have a drink and you feel like you're in the 1940s. You really do. Mm. They bring you out. I mean, Bill Berman had himself an old fashioned. They brought it out in a book. There you go. So that, you know, it didn't look like he was having a drink. That's that's awesome. I love so it. Incredible. You got to get over there. I mean, it, it is truly everybody says, mm. well, there's so much to do in Vegas. No, 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 no. You, <laughs> there's one thing. There's there's a lot to do, but there's not a lot of good things to do. <laughs> Right. I mean, like you can't stay out in the sun all day long here in nope. Vegas. Right. No. Nope. I mean, Stadium Swim, you got to go that. That's great. But it's hard to spend eight hours out in that sun at Stadium Swim. No, you can't do it. Spend three hours inside. Get air conditioned. Yeah. If you get air conditioned at the casinos, you might be out of a couple bucks. Yeah. That's uh, right. but, but that does it for this week's edition of the podcast. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Thank you to all of you guys. Subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcast. Keep pumping those numbers up. Keep reviewing. We love it. We see you guys. Uh, we love all the support. And also, thank you to DraftKings and Vison. I know, Michael, you got to get a show that you're about to start here, so I've got to get out of here. But thank you to you, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you, Femi. I'll see you Monday. <laughs>